Hey guys, my name is Farrakh Don, and I've beaten the often path by uh, being a musician. Welcome back to the Beat the Often Path podcast, where we showcase unusual success stories to help us all think outside the box in our life and in our careers. My guest today is Frake Coppins, otherwise known as Farrakh Don, international musician and DJ with millions of streams per month. Before COVID, he was touring the globe continuously. In this episode, we talk about how he was able to achieve his goals by staying determined and never losing sight of what he really wanted in life. It's such an inspiring tale of triumphing against all odds. So here's Farrakh Don. Tell everybody what it is that you do and an intro as to how you got where you are. Well, so I said I'm a a DJ producer of uh, electronic music, house music, if you will. And uh, I started... I started DJing, I think, when I was uh, 17 years old. I'm 36 now, so it's almost 20 years in. Um, and uh, I had always, I, I, I studied, uh, did, my, did my studies, and I then went on to do a full-time job. Um, a couple of them, but always had the dream of actually, you know, um, give up the full-time job and go full, full-time in music. But it's not easy because you have to make money, of course, so uh, I needed the jobs. And then when I was 27, or I think 2014, I had a song called Love Too Deep, uh, which you remember because we were working at the same company at the, at the time. Yep. Uh, and that, that, that did really well. Uh, it went on to uh, BBC Radio 1 daytime rotation. And uh, that, uh, also the company I worked for weren't really happy with the, the fact that I signed it to their direct competitor, which makes sense. So uh, if you add everything up, it was like the perfect moment to, to kind of you know take a leap and go for it and try to actually make it and uh, do it full-time. And here we are seven years later. Okay, so let's start at the beginning. So you're 17 years old. You make your first beat in FL Studio. It goes multi-platinum. It's Animals. Your name is Martin Garrix. And then everything was an easy success from that moment on, right? Yeah, it's exactly how it went. Yeah. So you had the decision that you wanted to become a DJ, and then five minutes later, you were touring the world, making millions of dollars. That's uh, what a lot of people think how it goes. Uh, <laughs> it's a cool story, man. <laughs> so what, what actually happened? No, no, it's a very lengthy uh, process. So I started out as a hardcore Gabber DJ. I don't know if people listen to the podcast. <laughs> really quick, really fast music. Uh, because that was really popular uh, back in the day where I'm from, uh, and I really liked it, but, you know, uh, my musical taste developed a little bit. So after four years, I decided to go more house and techno, which is a bit more mainstream between air quotes. Um, and then, you know, that was DJing. And then at a certain point, you you, you know, you, you, you realize that if, if I really want to take the next step, I need to have my own productions. Um, and that's that's the, a whole different ballgame. Of course, DJ, learning how to DJ is very different than learning how to produce music. And, yep. um, that took me a while to, to actually kind of nail and do well. Plus, I'm not musically trained or anything. I am. I, I never have piano lessons. I'm. Uh, it's definitely not something that's natural to me to hear uh, someone sing something and oh, that's in G minor and here here are some cool chords that will go well with it. It's definitely not like that with me. So I kind of have to struggle for every chord I have to make. Uh, but you know, so uh, for me, it all came down to perseverance and kind of sticking through it. But uh, that's kind of the whole the, the whole. The most important thing in my career probably is actually the discipline and uh, and keep going and kind of learning by doing and improving by doing. Uh, but it's definitely not something that, that comes easy to me or or had like a, the same story as Martin Garrix has. You know, it's a it's a yeah. long, been a long, long, long journey already. Sure. What were you in school for when you went to school? Uh, I went. To, I did uh, business communications, and then after the after afterwards, I did social psychology. But uh, the second study, even though I liked it more than the first one, I only did it to, to just buy myself some more time because being a student would allow me to spend more time in the studio than actually having a nine-to-five job. Okay. So uh, when did you finish your studies? How old were you? Uh, I was uh, 25. Okay, so, so you did yeah, extended. Yeah. That was a long so time. I did two, uh, two masters, so that was, I'm happy I finished those. Also, you know, you never know. What will happen? And, and if you look at a situation we've been in together with in the whole COVID, uh, there's, there's, there's numerous DJs who, who never done anything else than DJing and trying to make it as a DJ. So I can imagine it's very frightening to 
not being able to do this and really have no idea where you'll end up if this actually you know, doesn't, uh, is, is not resolved, or is, if, if it doesn't end in a way. Of course it will end, but I can imagine for someone who doesn't have their uh, education, it's, very, it's, it's even more scary than a guy like me who is, who is, of course, still afraid because it's my livelihood and my passion and I want to do this. But uh, it's good to have the studies and, and you know, have the, have the right papers. You know? Yeah, which is rare. I don't think a lot of people have at least two master's degrees in general, let alone DJs. So that's like I said, it was, it was merely buying time to spend more time in the studio. Spend more time in the studio. That's hilarious. Okay, so you started DJing. What were you doing in the first? How did you get your first gigs? How did you get your foot in the door when you first began? Um, it's just uh, networking, you know. I, I'm, I'm from the southern part of the, of, near Eindhoven, the southern part of the Netherlands. And um, there were a lot of clubs and little festivals going on. And um, me being a visitor of those places kind of, you know, you know, you always know someone that you know someone that knows someone. So that's kind of how it went. And uh, just small gigs after opening slots, uh, uh, no money as well. But, you know, just great for building experience and growing and learning. Uh, but it's definitely uh, just uh, just people who, who know someone, who know someone, who are looking for a DJ to open up the event. And then they call me, for instance. That, that's just how, how it went in the beginning. Okay. How long was it like that? How many years? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, actually, yes, you know, and of, of course, slowly but surely the gigs were a little bit better, but always still very regional and uh, on the you know, early, early slots of the day when there's not a lot of people actually listening to your music and um, you, you kind of, you know, go up the ranks slowly but surely, but there's also the, there's a little level that you can't pass if you don't have new uh, music for you, for, you know, that you produced your own yourself and that people would actually go to the festival or the event to actually see you instead of you being just a, a filler for the people who are coming and that the people actually, the, the visitors actually want to see. Yep. So, uh, yeah, so that, that middle level, who do you think is determining then whether or not you're good enough or that you're somebody who wants to see? I mean, I know, but for our listeners. Uh, I think, I said, I think it, it, it's really important that you produce your own music and that yeah. actually resonates with people. And I think that's kind of the, 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 the only reason why you would actually surpass that like um, resident DJ, local DJ, warm-up act level. It's just your own productions that, you know, hopefully one or two do well and the promoter actually thinks, oh, if I get him and put him on the latest slot, more people will buy the tickets. Right, because it's all about making money at the end of the day for the venue owners, the bookers. It's, they got to make money, and if you're not bringing anybody in, they don't care about you. No. So um, when you were doing this, did you get a manager? How early on did you approach a manager? Did they say no? Oh, uh, no, I actually, I, I, I only did it myself until okay. the moment I signed with Spinning Records. So if you go back to 2014, when I had that track called Love Too Deep, um, when they signed, when we signed it to spinning, they offered me a deal. So really, everything in your life changed at a turning point of one successful song, a hit, yeah. a mini hit, or a hit, I guess you would say, which is interesting. I mean, a lot of people have that in a lot of professions. If you're an author, you write a book that becomes a bestseller. If you're a DJ, you have a song that's played on the radio, picked up by BBC. Um, how many songs do you think you put out before you had a hit? Oh, a lot. Uh, it might have been 50 or uh, 50, I think probably something like 30 to 50. But, um, and you can definitely tell if you listen to it now, if I listen to the music I did back in the day, that it definitely wasn't good enough. But at that time, you think it is. But, you know, I said, you learn by doing and you get more experience and you hear stuff that you didn't hear back then. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I did a lot of bad tunes. And then luckily this one, did well, and because of that, because of me then devoting all my time to music, logically my 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 um, expertise when I I just got better at it because I spent all my time on it instead of having a nine to five job and then doing two or three hours of music on the Wednesday evening and then on the Friday evening, and so it makes sense that you get better at it if you spend a lot of time on doing it. So uh, that in that way, that was a blessing because otherwise I I probably wouldn't be at the level of production I am right now if I didn't spend seven years doing it day in day out you know wow yeah and what was your schedule like before so when I when I had a full-time job mm -hmm. yeah just you know go go to work nine to five and then um, of course not every evening but usually 
maybe three evenings uh, per week. I did two or three hours of music and maybe a little bit on Sunday and, you know, something like that. But now it's like, uh, especially during COVID, it's Monday to Friday, nine to six, seven. Wow. Can be anything. Um, maybe a bit too much even. I, I really miss touring and DJing and having that balance between being in the studio and meeting people and, you know, getting and traveling and just doing, doing doing something else and being by yourself in your little room. So uh, I'm, I'm really hoping that balance returns quickly, but I spend a lot of time in the studio now. And the good side is, the good thing is that I have a lot of music finished. Yeah. I'm more than enough for this year and wow. uh, even a little bit for next year already. Wow. And again, I feel like the level is better than it was a year ago. Again, that, that I'm spending a lot more time on it and I'm not tired and no jet lags and, you know, it's um, so it's just focus on the on the music right now, which is great. But uh, I said I I love to put a balance to return. Right, sure. Well, of course. Well, at least you're making the most of it. At least you're being productive. You could have just been eating chips and just watching TV this whole time. No, yeah, like was, a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. I'm not that kind no of judgment, guy. No judgment, by the way. <laughs> no judgment to anybody. It's been a hard year, but I'm saying kudos that you have have at least taken it to your advantage. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Well, I'm not a guy who would actually do that, just sit around and do nothing. Uh, but uh, definitely, I, I definitely feel like I I made the most of it and also uh, did a few uh, live streams with a couple of uh, labels that, that did all right. And so, yeah, I, I felt like, I, I feel like I did what I what I could and needed to do to stay top of mind. Because in the end, you know, uh, people who follow you, they want to, you know, stay entertained by, you know, the output I have, either if it's a live set or a remix or a new, release or whatever. Uh, and I, I do feel if I look at other, some other DJs, some other did great and some others really dropped the ball a little bit. So I'm very curious what will happen to like, let's say I'll call, let's call it the midsection of the tiers of, you know, DJing. So uh, let, let's say level A of tier one, uh, Marco Corolla, Sven Vade, all those guys, they're fine. No one cares about the, this little one year break. They are such established names, they won't be hurt by what they what they did or didn't do during COVID. But the middle section, as in as where I'm in, uh, I, 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 for me, it makes sense that some guys who are kind of up a, a couple of ranks maybe go down because they didn't do anything during COVID. And that's a good opportunity for me to maybe climb the, the, the ladder a little bit by, you know, having a lot of releases, remixes, live streams. So it, it's an interesting time as well. Let's see what happens uh, when everything starts back up again. Sure. Well, you mentioned that discipline and perseverance are key parts of your success. I'm curious, is this something that you had to develop over time? Was that something that came naturally to you? How did you start building discipline in the early stages? Was it step by step or were you always like, I'm going to do this as a side job outside of my regular job? Or step uh, well, no, the, the discipline part has always kind of been there also with studying for uh, school and I was pretty... Uh, yeah, hardcore and stuff like that. And I felt like, I, you know, I, I wanted to get, you know, past the exam and just I do everything I can to, to make it happen. So that, that, that's definitely something that's, that's kind of always been there. But um, yeah, it, it's, it, especially in the music industry, there's a lot of rejection and a lot of, uh, it's not the easiest industry to be in. You have to have thick skin, you know? So that is definitely something that, that, that it's not easy and that you kind of have to overcome or, you know, learn to deal with. But yeah. Um, the, fun, the thing is, the, the better the career gets, the less rejection you run into. So, uh, right. in a way, if, once you kind of go over the hill, then it, it, it is getting a little bit easier. But still, stuff happens, of course, that you know, kind of uh, makes you wonder if, if, if what you're doing is the best job for you uh, mentally and blah, blah. And all the, everybody has those thoughts at a certain point, of course. But yeah. that, that, the perseverance stuff, that the uh, personality trait, is that's always something that's been there. Okay. Yeah. What tools did you use to keep yourself going before you had any signs of outward success for years? In music, in, in the music, you yeah. Mean, not really. I just really enjoyed DJing, and I never, you know, whatever would happen uh, with the production, I, I would never quit DJing. So, uh, you know, knowing that that's something that you'll always be doing, that kind of, of course, this may sound a little bit weird, but it, it doesn't really matter if it if the productions didn't if the tracks didn't do well because you could also still go djing and have fun with that but uh i always wanted to you know climb the ladder and you know how do you say a breakthrough how do you want to call it so i wanted to keep going anyway regardless but i think you know always knowing that it's something not something that you'll ever have to quit even though if, if it doesn't work or go the way you want it to go you can always still enjoy it and you do it as a hobby so 
And were you able to do that at the time? Were you able to say, I'm enjoying this? Or was it more frustration that you're not where you want to be? Definitely more frustration, you know? And especially uh, seeing other guys do well. It sounds a bit bit, uh, ugly, but uh, seeing other people do well that you feel you're not that far off or you feel you might be even at the same level, but they, they outperform you with uh, gigs they're getting and everything, that is super frustrating, you know? And hearing music being released, you feel, you feel like, why is this being released and why do, do they keep rejecting my stuff and everything? Which, you know, uh, they, of course, have their reasons, but in your head, you feel like, oh, that's not fair and blah, blah. And yeah. But that is, that's definitely not something that's easy to deal with. But I think every every uh, in every profession, this this happens, that people get promoted instead of you and you, you felt like you should be the one. So that is something that everybody experiences, of course. Yeah. But a lot of people, they quit, I think. A lot of people don't keep pushing through. It's certainly not for years. So did, was uh, that something yeah, that you well, uh, consciously worked on? Or you, just, you just couldn't imagine another way of living? Uh, well, I, I, you know, and the, the jobs I had, for instance, I worked at IDT, which is a big event company. Yep. Uh, and I really enjoyed it. If I look back at it now, I, I feel like it's one of the most exciting times of my life because, you know, the company was really cool and I really enjoyed having colleagues that are kind of like-minded people travel the world with them. So it wasn't like that if the DJing thing doesn't work, my whole life falls apart and I will never be able to find a job. I never had that feeling. Yeah. Uh, the company I worked uh, after IDNT where we met at Armada, same thing, uh, like-minded people. I like the music industry. I like this, the vibe that was going on in the office. So I, was, I wasn't really too worried that if the DJing doesn't work, then my whole life is over. That's never really what crossed my mind, but I, I, I really wanted it to happen. And I'm really happy that we got to the point we are right now. Still, yeah. uh, not, of course, not, not, not close to where I wanted to be, but uh, definitely good to see slowly but surely uh, climbing up the ladder, you know? Yeah, definitely. Well, I think, you know, a lot of people, they, they wonder when they should make the leap into doing something full-time. I think many people have a job and have a passion on the side, whatever that passion might be. What do you think about when it's time to make the transition to doing something full-time versus a hobby? I think this is super, it's super difficult because, you know, you never know. And I have to say, you know, that the fact that uh, the company, that Armada, the company I used to work for, that they didn't like what was happening. Uh, so, and I kind of felt like what was going on and that they probably wouldn't extend my contract and, uh, so I had a kind of, uh, kind of, that kind of helped me make my decision because it's very difficult, you know, to have a full-time job and, you know, uh, money's coming in every month, you know what to expect. And then all of a sudden decide, Hey, you know what, let's leave it. I'm just going to go for it. And we'll just, we'll see what happens. I think that's a very difficult decision. And I can totally imagine that a lot of people struggle with that, with that. And when's the right time? Uh, I, I felt the same. I, I discussed with my girlfriend and, discussed with my parents and everybody kind of said the same thing saying if you don't do it now you never will so better go for it and and you know maybe it's better to regret it uh, that you did it and you know maybe you made the wrong decision instead of being uh, 60 and always wonder oh what would have happened if i actually would have done it so yeah now did everything change because when we talk about art art and artistic creations then when money gets involved it fundamentally i believe it fundamentally changes the nature of the art making process. So for years and years and years, you love DJing, you love doing this thing on the side, you're passionate about it, you like making beats, you want to get where you're going. But then suddenly income stops, job stops. The only way that you make money is through your music. How did that yeah. pressure feel in the beginning? Uh, yeah, uh, terrible actually, because it kind of kills the joy. You know, it, it kind of sucks the hobby out of it, the whole thing and becomes a job. And then, uh, especially when it's not going the way you want it to go. Uh, it's super frustrating. Plus you make uh, artistic choices that you base on money instead of uh, your personal taste. You know, for instance, when I was with spinning, uh, there's a few tracks I did. If I listen to it now, I think I don't understand why I released that kind of music, but and maybe if I can, if I look back at the, at the time we, where we were at, at, you know, at the time, there were a couple of DJs that I'm, that I was friends with that were doing really well. And, and you, you look at them, you think maybe I should also do stuff like this. Maybe that is a good decision, especially being with a, a big commercial label. They could kind of help me with that. And they pushed me, uh, they pushed, they pushed the music. They didn't push me to do that. Sorry, but they pushed the music well and everything. And uh, that definitely uh, influenced my decisions a lot. 
Uh, and then to the point that when I was when I left spinning four years later and uh, joined the UK label Defected, I kind of I kindly felt like I was finally at the right place musically. And then it's the whole frustrating point I had that I want to do stuff that kind of result in making money that kind of went away a little bit. And I felt like okay, now I can do what I want to do, and this sure. fits. This is this is what suits me. And then the the fun and the enjoying it came back. Now, do you think that that is just a necessary step in the progression that one must, when they start becoming a pro with whatever they're doing, they must go through a period where they have to, let's say, not do what their taste says, but they have to listen to what either the record label or the market is saying. And then from there, they can go through to breaking through to that next level where you can do what you want and you get paid for doing what you want to do. Do you think that it has to happen that way? Uh, No, not per se, because there's a lot of people who just, you know, stick to one thing be great in it, enjoy it, and they're the happiest people in the world. So I, I don't think it's something that, that needs to happen. Uh, I do think it will, if, if it does happen, it helps you. Also because you're going to appreciate a lot more than what you're doing right now than you're actually enjoying it and, you know, making money. Uh, that's, that's something that's a very lucky position that you're in at that time. So I do, I do think it helps being aware of, you know, being fortunate that this is what you can do. Uh, same goes for uh, performing, you know, there's... I think if people ask, think, or you were a DJ, they think, oh, you're playing for like 10,000 people every weekend and this and that. And of course, it is sometimes like that, but there's also gigs that are like 10 people or, you know, and maybe that's a good thing because then you'll appreciate more when it is good and it's going well instead of, you know, only if you're only experiencing those like 10,000, 100,000 people shows, I think it's good to have kind of bad, uh, bad shows and, empty crowds and empty, you know, venues. You appreciate it a little bit more. Yeah, you think I flew all the way to Romania for this? Oh, that <laughs> happened a lot of times. Yeah. <laughs> I flew all the way. Um, so in the beginning, so you said you signed a 360 deal with the Spinning Records. Now, what was the thought? So I need to make some money. I need to keep a roof over my head. What is the thought in terms of making money as a musician DJ at that point? Uh, well, I said I maybe I maybe changed my personal preference and style a little bit to fit the label, and you know, but I, maybe it's it's something that happened sub- subconsciously a little bit. It's not that I told my girlfriend, for instance, oh, I'm going to produce this kind of stuff because then we'll have more money to spend at all. It's just I think it's a kind of a natural progression that happens, and uh, luckily I changed it back. But yeah. uh, it's not, it's not really I had a, a certain thought of the whole thing. It's just, I think it's just you do what you got to do to make a living, you know? And hopefully you'll be able to come back and to figure out what your authentic self is or what you actually like. Um, yeah, but, you know, I do have to say, when, it, when, it all, when, I, when I was doing that, so when I was producing music that I didn't like, I, I wasn't really doing it like full being aware of, oh, I, I hate what I'm doing, I hate what I'm doing, but I have to do it to make money. I, at that point, I, I thought that was the best decision. And then slowly but surely, you start to realize, oh, hey, I'm not happy playing this music at events. I'm not happy producing this music. I'm not happy when it's released. I'm kind of ashamed of some tracks that I did. So that is definitely something that kind of, that I learned and, you know, gradually... Uh, came to me, and then um, at, at, at like at the end of the whole four-year deal, and I, I definitely felt like okay, I'm, I'm kind of it's good, it's cool what happened, but I'm really happy that that I kind of found my direction or the, the direction I want to head in, um, and that you're very very aware of what you don't want to do. Right. Learn that, you know. Which is which is good. That's a valuable skill. That's kind of what this podcast is all about. Is what you don't want to do. Dot com. <laughs> That's the website. <laughs> well, we've eliminated everything else, so surely there must be something left, right? It's a big world. No, that I think there is incredible value in that. And I think more and more people are taking those kinds of paths, um, you know, meandering paths, learning things. It's all part of that growth cycle, yeah. um, which which is good. What What do you think? So, again, people have idolized, I think, a lot of people who want to be musicians or DJs, they don't know anything about what it actually means. They just look at the Instagram parties and they think, I want to be there. That's awesome. How can I do that? Uh, But you being a disciplined guy, what was was your day-to-day like right after you quit the job and you say, okay, I'm going full-time into this? What did that mean? Describe a typical day, typical week. Oh, just really from Monday to Friday. From I try to stick to like normal times a little bit, like nine to five. Also because I have my my wife, my girlfriend, uh, 
she works those times those times a day. So you do have to. I do want to spend time together, of course. So, but uh, no, I was no, I went I went like hardcore every day, produce music, and you know, learn tutorials, do stuff like that, try to get better at it, slowly but surely. But uh, no, really, every day, Monday to Friday, mu- music production, nothing else. Okay. And would you say that's split like half between learning and half between making or mostly making some tutorials? Like what was that actually oh, like? Definitely, my, let's, let's say uh, 90% actually producing and okay. 10% tutorials or uh, uh, spending time with other DJs and learning from them. And, but no, definitely just start producing music. And I said, it's kind of learning by doing. And slowly but surely, you pick up tricks from other guys that you've been in the studio with or some tutorials and everything. And slowly but surely, you, you, you start to notice that it's getting a little bit easier and you're a bit quicker and uh, instead of finding chores a bit easier or stuff like that. So just learning by doing actually. Mm. And did you set like output targets? Did you say I'm going to finish a song a week or did you have any kind of goals like that? Uh, yeah, I was definitely, it's still, still something that I kind of that sticks in my head that I'd like to produce one record a week. But, you know, I, I kind of let it, let that go because I'd rather do one a year that's a mega hit than 52 that are just above average. So I felt at a certain point it's pointless to kind of force myself to produce a song a week rather than this. I'd rather spend time looking for the perfect sample for me to use and create a very catchy track instead of just going through random stuff, finish it, and never use it again. Sure. So I definitely, that was definitely a target I set for myself in the beginning, but I, I let go because it, that's, it didn't work for me. Okay. How long did you do that? Oh, for years, really. Years. A track a week yeah. for years. Yeah, that was the goal. That was the goal, uh, but right. Of course, didn't, 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 I, of course, didn't, weren't always able to do that. But um, I think it's like two, three years ago that I, that I realized, maybe around In Arms, the track I did in 2018. And, and I saw what happened with that, how long it kind of kept lingering on with everybody in a good way. But like, I don't, I don't really need one track a week if I have one of these and one does okay. well and kind of, you know, keeps going for half a year, then why would I force myself to keep finishing music every week and maybe right. not producing the best stuff I can because I'm just, you know, powering through and want to finish it. And what percentage of tracks would you say that you actually would release of all of the ones that you created in that period? Oh, about 5 to 10%. Okay. So you have hundreds of songs that never saw the light of day. Yeah, no, and I will never ever touch them again. You know, maybe steal again. A, a little loop that I used of something okay. or a baseline that I did like. But uh, now there's a lot of stuff that I will never ever release. Maybe maybe ten percent is a bit, I'm a bit too low. I mean, let's say 15, 20 max. Ooh, it's time to put a quick pause on everything and make sure. Quick check: Are you subscribed to the show? Have you rated it five stars on Apple Podcasts? Have you left a thoughtful review that will stroke my ego and make me feel good about myself? If not, please take time to comment, like, share the episodes that you enjoy with somebody who you think might enjoy them. Help me spread the word about this thing. Help me get it out there. I'd greatly appreciate it. Also, I'm constantly looking for a never-ending stream of unusual stories and talented and weird and special people out there doing all kinds of things. So if you know somebody or if you know somebody who knows somebody, reach out, send me a message, drop me a comment, tell me what you like, tell me what you don't like, tell me all the things, and let's grow this podcast together. Again, be an active listener here. Say hi, reach out, follow me on Instagram, at the Ross Palmer, any of those things. I'd greatly appreciate it. And now, back to the show. Uh, we're back. So 5% finished, hundreds of tracks. Now, here's an interesting thing that I feel, and I wonder this honestly. So if you're a creative person, you like to make stuff, do you have a feeling of embarrassment when you listen to stuff that you've released? Sometimes I'll listen or look at things that I made. It could be anything. And I think, oh, God, what was I thinking some years ago or as a kid? Do you feel that? Oh, yeah. All the time. All the time. Uh, yeah, yeah. Not, well, I have to say, not, not, not the music I did for the last couple of years, but okay. uh, if I go, yeah, go back like five years, six years ago, then there's definitely stuff that, not to say that the quality is bad, but I just don't really like the musical genre and everything. And I'm embarrassed, yeah, a little bit. So, for instance... There's this one track that I won't name the title because it's <laughs> embarrassing. 
But uh, no, I'll name it. So this, is, this is because of the being kind of. I, I, to be clear, I wasn't pushed by spinning at all to do this, but you know they they are good at this type of music. So I felt like that's that's something that I would have never ever ever done if I was like 100% sure of the sound and everything I wanted to do. But you know that's kind of you, you live and you learn. Let's call it like that. And you grow in the whole thing and you make wrong decisions, and that was one of them. And uh, uh, it's, it's a track that I love to bury and never mention again. But for the story, it's it's a good example of that you make decisions and in, in hindsight, kind of embarrassed and regret, but can't do anything about it. It's out there, you know. It's out there. Yep. And you can't, and that's the world we live in. But you can bury it with a mountain of new stuff. So that's your yeah. goal, right? You that's can what put I a did. bunch of new stuff out there. Um, now, COVID aside, we'll get to that here in a second. But COVID aside. And this last year being particularly hard for musicians and people in the entertainment industry in general. Um, what, how happy are you with your career on a scale from one to ten? Ten being every day is the happiest day of my life. <laughs> I can't wait to get up and keep going. One is get me out of here. Yeah, okay. So, um, okay, COVID aside then, of course. COVID so, aside, uh, for now. Uh, I'd, I'd say sort of the last three years, so I actually ever since, and I don't want to uh, speak bad about spinning at all, but I feel like when I went, came, to, when I joined Defected in 2018, joined the booking agency, joined the label, joined, played all the events, that definitely felt like this is finally where I need to be. And everything, you know, falls into place right now. Uh, and I, I definitely, I could definitely say that I was like, at, at a, like a nine, because of course you always want more. But, um, I um, I'm not a I'm not a guy who likes to be alone. I hate it. That's why I do a lot of collabs with people online just to talk to people. I have a feeling I have a, have a colleague, and what's affected is they have a really tight group of DJs plus a tight group of staff that travels the world with with the events. So uh, for me, it felt like every time I did a defected event, it felt like I was going to see my colleagues. You know, because oh he's coming and she's coming and he's coming. So oh this will be good because I'm not alone. Uh, because I you know with touring you're always alone. So um, actually kind of, you know, being part of one of the biggest, maybe the biggest house label in the world, uh, and also have, have a feeling that they kind of welcomed me into the group, that definitely uh, gave my career and the joy in my career a big boost. So uh, definitely, I would say a nine at how, how happy I was pre-COVID, wow. and I'm very curious what it will be post-COVID. Yeah, we'll get. I mean, I'm sure it'll come back eventually, right? Yeah. It has to some point yeah. people are going to be so ready to party they're going to want to just jump out of there and they're going to go nuts it could be crazy in 2022 who knows i hope i um, really do yeah so you felt very 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 high career satisfaction well that's that's great how important is other people's opinions of your work to you being happy uh well you know of course you want you want you want you want definitely want people to appreciate the music and, and enjoy it and the sets you play and everything that's very important to me Mega important, even, but uh, that that uh, it wouldn't define my happiness in you know my job. Although in uh, in a way it would, because if the people from Defective, for instance, wouldn't like my music or my sets, they wouldn't book me. Right. So in that in that respect, it's super important, of course. But uh, you know, if I regard Defected aside, if I produce a song and I think it's really cool and I really like it, and and other people don't like it, yeah. Fine, you know, we have just different musical tastes. Not everybody likes the same stuff. So that can happen. But overall, of course, I do want people to enjoy the, the music I do and like the sets I play. And it's all, that's also important for the, you know, the career. And just keep, the, the only way to move forward is to people actually enjoy what I'm doing instead of me being the only one who enjoys it. Your career is to be popular, which is yeah. interesting. Anything in the arts, your career is to be popular. Celebrity yeah. actor, Will Smith, whatever. That's your job, which is weird, especially yeah. because we talk about how evil social media can be in this day and age. But if your job is to be popular, then you don't really have a choice. Like, no. what would you rather do? Release a song that you don't feel so great about that becomes international hit and makes you a million dollars or release the greatest masterpiece you've ever heard in your entire life, and it gets one play, and it's your mom, and it's an accidental play, and she says, Frank, come home for dinner. 
Oh no, hundred percent the the one I'm not hundred percent sure of, and that will make me millions of dollars. <laughs> okay. Because if I do that and I make that kind of money, it buys me all the time in the world I I need and want to actually produce that masterpiece because I'm financially secure. Okay. So I definitely do that. Okay, no regrets. What if it's uh what if it's like a kid's song and then you become a kid's what if your whole image is shattered? <laughs> You're like uh, I try to be smart about it and use a an an a different name to release it. But you know, you as you have kids a young kid as well so you know Baby Shark for instance. Oh my god. I would, I would love to be the one who produced Baby Shark, man. Yeah, he's he's richer than they're richer than we'll ever know. I mean, how many I think millions? They made like 150 million euros of it. I'm not even so, surprised. Yeah. So that would be... I'd love to produce a song like that. <laughs> so your next one is Baby okay. Shark. Well, you know, there's always a... There's room for more. You can yeah, just go yeah. straight... Because they're listening to things more than anybody else. Kids hit things on repeat. You know, yeah, adults yeah. play something and they're like, oh, that was cool. Okay, next. But kids are like, again, 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 yeah, again, yeah, again, yeah. again, so again. It's again. definitely an interesting market. But uh, also, I, I think, for instance, the Baby Shark thing is a perfect example. It... It sounds very simple, which is not because the simplest songs are the diff most difficult one. And they maybe, for instance, that company might have made two thousand songs, and they had not now they have the one hit. So uh, I'm definitely not gonna get hung up on that amount of money they made and everything. So it's, I think if you want to do something, you have to kind of devote all your time to it, and hopefully, you know, strike strike gold what they which they did. But it's not something that I would do on the side or anything. I I just want to focus on my own music, and that's why I, for instance, never ghost produce for other people. Uh, I don't want to spend my time producing music for someone else where I can also spend time, uh, you know, in my own career and focusing on my own music. Uh, that's for me way more important than producing music for someone else. Of course, I'll do a remix for someone else, but that's a whole different thing. But uh, no, I just want to focus all my time on my own career and mm. on no one else. Yep, completely understand that feeling, 100%. Um, in terms of where the income actually comes from, what would you say the breakdown is? You don't have to be specific, but the breakdown of income as a mid-level DJ artist musician in terms of streams, bookings, gigs, you know, what's the pie chart of income roughly? Uh, okay, well, so uh, let's say um, royalties, uh, neighboring rights, uh, publishing, if you pile all those, so let's say income out through music, uh, I'd say that that's about, 25 percent 20 to 25 so uh, for a guy like me mm -hmm. you know uh i get most most of my money comes out of gigs so, yeah it's, let's say 70 20 80 to 75 percent definitely uh comes out of gigs and which i really love but there's a lot of be a lot of guys who produce music that streams really well and do not, not do a lot of gigs and they make the same amount of money as i make a year so it, it also and depends on do you release your music on your own label so you have all the rights and all the percentages or do you release it on a big label, take all your money, but they give you the exposure? Uh, what's your game plan? Because the exposure will probably help you getting gigs or do you want to do it on your own label and just take all the money from that side? So that's, you know, it's different strategies. But for a guy like me, I think I said, yeah, 75 gigs, 25 uh, music income. Wow, and I okay. stream pretty all right for a house act, so that's I'm pretty happy with that. You do, so yeah, I think that's that's about, because about you get right, yeah. in the millions per month, right? If I'm not mistaken, of streams, uh, I have one, uh, yeah, one one and a half million monthly listeners. Yeah, and then sometimes wow. they listen five or ten times a month or whatever. Whoa! So that's great, but uh, don't be don't be fooled by those numbers because it, uh, the thing is with Spotify is that you don't really make a lot of money on it unless you're Drake. Or Martin Garrett. 0.0000000001 yeah. per play. Yeah, <laughs> that's and it. And also, so yeah. uh, and let's say uh, you make an X amount of money per million streams, but then it gets divided through the label and to you and the people who you worked with. So I did it with a singer. So uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, you don't really make a lot of money on streams unless you have a mega successful hit record or you I said a guy like Drake who does like a billion, a billion streams. Yeah, then you're making money. That's a different story. Right. Yep. So obviously we don't need to go too in depth, but that would suggest, you know, COVID hit 75% of most DJs revenue whoosh, gone, disappeared off the yeah. face of the earth for a year, which is a shock and unexpected and horrible. Um, we know that it's been a struggle, but what do you think... You've probably had some time to scheme, think about how you're going to rearrange things, plan a sort of attack for coming out of this. So 
what do you see the future as being for yourself in this next year? Uh, I think this year will be probably similar to last year, financially just as hard. Um, yeah. Emotionally at the moment, I, I said I, I felt the hardest because you can see people DJing in different continents or different countries who are ahead with, vac- with vaccination and everything. Uh, so I definitely think this year will be hard as well. Uh, and, and it all depends on how long uh, does the, vac- the, the, do the vaccines work? Are they going to be there, help us for a half a year, or help us for two years? So, mm. Because I worry otherwise in November there'll be a Philippine version of the COVID or you name a country, Russian or whatever, you know, mm. uh, that the vaccine might not work uh, well against. And then we're back to square one and all, all arts and culture stuff will be wiped Oof. off the table again. So uh, that is definitely something I worry about, but I try to stay positive. And uh, if you look at the, the the feedback on how the vaccines work on the British uh, version and now the Indian version, I think we'll be all right. But I think it will uh, it will all be better. I think Q4 2020 will be back on our feet. In the Netherlands, they announced on Friday that uh, events are allowed to happen again on July after July 1st. But then people have to you know get the licenses for everything and plan and so. August, August, September will we'll be all right. And then it's all about what will happen in the in the winter regarding COVID and flu and whatever. So it's yeah. very insecure, uncertain. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, hopefully things will pick up. You know, there's always room for an NFT. Where's the Ferric Dawn NFT? You make uh, 200 grand on that. I, I looked into it, but I, I don't really believe uh, in it for me as in, uh, and I don't want to, undersell myself but you know if you're a kelvin harris and you offer something like that okay you know i get it because kelvin harris you know he, he makes amazing music and it is something that that i can imagine people want, want to like a collector item but who cares about an nft from Ferragon? that's how i think you know i think why why would i do that now i feel it's very it's a very great it's a great tool if you're already on like a pretty successful level and people actually would want a collector item of yourself but but for me now, at the time, I don't know. It might be a bit too soon, I feel. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you have 1.5 million monthly listeners. Maybe maybe it would work. Maybe if you released the song as an NFT. I don't know, man. I'm talking out of my ass here. <laughs> no, I, I, did, no, I, did, I did think about this. It's just that uh, I think it's all, also be you know having the balls to actually do it and try and see what happens. So, you know, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying never. I just feel it might be a bit too soon now, actually. Mm, yep, yep. All right, well, let's get into some rapid-fire questions to sort of wrap this up. Very fascinating stuff so far. Rapid-fire question. I think I know what you're going to answer to this one, but talent or hard work in your industry? Hard work. Hard work, okay. Yeah. So you think that if somebody has no talent, how, does talent play a role? What role? Talent does play a role, but uh, of course, because there's people who are musically gifted or uh, Avicii is a perfect example of a guy you can definitely tell he has something going on that I don't, I'm not, it's not happening in my head. But uh, talent definitely uh, is mega important, but I feel hard work will beat talent every day if talent doesn't work hard. Yep. That's good advice. So I plan to, if you, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not sure if you're into soccer, uh, soccer, the football. You know, I enjoy playing you, it. I don't watch it. There's two people. There's two players. You might hear heard the names. One is Messi, and the other one is Cristiano Ronaldo, which are considered two of the best of this generation. Who? And I think who that's the they? perfect example. What? Who? Messi. And and who? Cristiano Ronaldo. Oh, okay. There's this singer that you might not have heard of. Uh, Justin Bieber, I think his name is. Uh, or uh, oh, oh, I got somebody you've probably never heard of. Michael Jackson. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if you're into football. <laughs> doesn't Ronaldo have like 800 million fans? I don't know, but I'm sure the people who are not into it, they don't care. Isn't he Especially like the he number is. one most followed social account in the entire world? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, right? I don't, I don't know, but no, you know, okay. they, I'm not a total ignorant. Okay, yes, I know who Messi and Ronaldo are. Okay, well, but I think those are that's yeah. the perfect example of Messi being a guy who's born born mega gifted, and you yeah. know, and Ronaldo yeah. is a guy who's actually in the gym from eight in the morning till eight in the evening. When everybody's done uh, with the training, he'll stay and uh, practice his uh, free kicks or whatever. So, and I I I like the. Cristiano Ronaldo approach and persona a lot more than a Messi who 
wanders around the pitch, he gets the ball, he does something magical, everybody is ooh-ah, instead of the Ronaldo who keeps going, keeps going, keeps going, and makes it happen. I like that guy. Yep. Yep. I can affiliate myself with that being, the, having to do that to uh, achieve what I want to achieve. As I said, it doesn't come natural to me at all. I'm not musically gifted. So I have to be a Cristiano Ronaldo-ish mentality to actually progress and, yep. you know, climb up the ladder. Yep. Do you see yourself doing this, all things going exactly the way you want, continuing it forever? Do you ever see yourself retiring? I don't know. You know, uh, at a certain point, I feel that some, some DJs, it starts to look a bit silly if they still DJ. On the other hand, there's people like Carl Cox or Sven Vade, and it looks amazing. So uh, I, I don't get as a, as a clear answer on that. I, ju I just have to see how everything develops and if it's worth it to keep going and do I still enjoy it? And um, there's a lot of factors at stake, of course. That, that uh, it, I don't, I just don't know yet. I, I don't have a set set like yep. age that I say if I if I reach 45, then I'll quit. Yeah, I, I I'm not going to say anything like that because I just don't know. Sure. Okay. COVID aside, um, traveling with kids with a family. How do you feel about that? Extensive traveling all the time. Oh, you mean, so you mean me by myself? Traveling yeah, yeah, away from the family. You know, you're in a plane, yeah. God knows how many days a year when things are going a lot, all the time. Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely a, a big downside of the whole thing. You know, you mm -hmm. do, I, I love to spend time with my kids and my wife and mm -hmm. everybody and, and just being, being around them. But, you know, on the other end, I said, um, I feel, I, I like being, uh, I like traveling. I like doing the gigs. And but it's all about balance, you know, and at the moment, Balance is a bit lost as I'm only at home for almost one and a half years now, every weekend at home. While before six, seven years, I was away every weekend, which maybe maybe is also not the best thing to do. But uh, as I said, I'm just looking for that perfect balance again. And uh, at the moment, it's gone. So uh, yeah. I think the older the kids get, the more difficult it will get because, you know, they'll they'll be more aware of everything. And where's dad? And are you going? Are you leaving again? And yeah. so uh, I, do, I do not look forward to that. But on the other hand, I'm sure at a certain point they'll understand. And sure. know, it's for the sake of the whole family. If the career goes well, everybody benefits, you know? And it's tough out there. They may not understand until they're older, but it's it's tough. <laughs> it's tough when you've got yeah. to juggle these things and you've, you're responsible for so much money you got to take care of. It's not an easy thing to make that balance work, I don't think. No. It's no, just definitely it's really, and, uh, really not. Because uh, if you're not fulfilled, then you're miserable, then you're a bad parent. Yeah, if you yeah, never spend definitely. time with your kids, you're also a bad parent. There's like so many ways to be a bad parent. It's really hard to be a good one. Yeah. Well, so yeah, but, but yeah, but I, of course I do, and also for my girlfriend, uh, keep I keep calling her girlfriend a wife. We're not married, but girlfriend. Sure. Uh, uh, it's not easy as well to be alone with the kids every weekend, or sometimes if if I'm on tour, US or Australia, I'll be away for two and a half weeks and she has, she has a full-time job as well. And then the kids go to school and cooking and bath and everything. So it's, it's definitely something that you have to discuss with your, uh, your girlfriend and how to deal with everything. And, but that's, that's definitely not easy. But, um, and don't get me wrong, I just can't wait for that actually to be a, a point of discussion again mm -hmm. because that means we're back to normal. What does that mean? Instead yeah. of now doing nothing every Friday and Saturday and Sunday. Yep, yep. I feel you there. All right, last uh, last piece. Uh, to somebody who, of the many people who might want to become a musician like you or to do what you've done, what is your greatest piece of advice for them? Keep going. Do not get beaten down and do not thick skin and, you know, perseverance. Keep going. And, you know, if you really want it, then there's no, no either, either you're lucky and you're a messy and musically gifted and you'll get there in a, in a few steps, but... Let's assume you're not because who, there's such a small percentage of people who actually do have that. The only thing you can do is just keep keep going, powering through, nothing else. Just, you know, perseverance, everything. If you really want it, go get it. And, and don't stop until you get it. That's great advice. And what do you think is the best piece of advice that you've ever gotten for yourself? Oh, that's a tough one, actually. Uh, I don't feel someone really actually gave me advice in the whole music industry or how to deal with stuff and everything. Uh, that's, that wasn't really like a role model in, in, in a sense that I could really kind of cling on to and ask him, for, how would you do this? How did you do it? There wasn't really one that comes to mind, actually. So uh, I don't really have, I can't really say that I got advice from someone and I feel like, oh, that's amazing, man. Thank you for that. It definitely helped me out. No, I don't have that, actually. Just on your own. 
did it all well, yourself. Well, not to say all my own, more because you have a lot of friends who also DJ and just you hang out and definitely discuss stuff, but it's not like someone really gave me an advice that motiv- motivated me to keep going when I was down or anything. I just felt I just did keep going by myself. Here, here's the magical kick drum that will make you a hit. <laughs> exactly. Here. There's no one who can tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> but I do have to say, I work a lot with, uh, uh, with another guy who's also, uh, his also name is Freek. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it, that's really great for me that you have someone to spar with, to talk with, to discuss stuff with. And he's a, a great musician as well. So you can bounce ideas off, off uh, each other and uh, just discuss what would be the right next move or anything. Same as I talked to with my manager. So I do get advice from people now. Uh, which I really appreciate and I need because you want to talk to someone about this idea I have or this maybe this label or that remix or that's that's I, it's something I really uh, I find super important. But um, back in the day, that, no, I said there wasn't really someone who told me how to you know build uh, climb up the, the ladder in the music industry at all. Mm. Nice. Well, all right. That's an interesting, uh, interesting way to end it. But um, I want to give the floor to you. Where can people follow you or support your music? Where can they find you? Oh, well, on socials, I, I'm not, I, it's just mainly Instagram and I, uh, Twitter. Not so much Facebook anymore, but I don't think anyone uses Facebook. Uh, Only people over 45, people. I guess. Yeah, maybe. And uh, musically... Uh, um, Spotify, YouTube, uh, Amazon, Apple, all those things, I think. Um, and uh, if you want to actually buy the music, Beatport and Track Source. But I think Spotify is the easiest for everybody because, you know, everybody, probably a lot of people use Spotify nowadays. So. Sounds good. Well, cool, man. Well, thank you very much for taking the time. I think it's a really cool story. I uh, am very happy that you have done all of these cool things. I hope that it one day returns to being nine out of ten again after all of this but uh, i think it's very cool what you've been able to accomplish and uh getting to witness that has been has been awesome man so uh, yeah dude keep at it you keep going yourself i hope it turns around soon and that's about all we can say about that i really hope so too but it's 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 i said it's it's so it's i have no idea where where we will be in six months no idea i'm just gonna assume that it will all it will all be well that's right. It will all be well. That's right. We have That's what to. I'm gonna cool, man. Well, with that, well, thanks for having me, man. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much. And with that, the podcast is officially over. Thanks for listening to the Beat the Often Path podcast. If you've been enjoying this show, please like, comment, share, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, subscribe to me on YouTube. It would mean the world to me. Also, do you have an unusual success story or do you know someone who does? Well, please recommend them to me. They could be a future guest on this show. Maybe they've rolled the largest boulder down the mountains of Tibet, or maybe they built the world's largest chicken farm in Madagascar. The point is, I don't know what I don't know, so I'm looking for inspiration and unusual success stories. So help me by being a part of this adventure. I'm looking to grow this podcast with you. Thanks again for listening.